Are you itching for a career change, but struggling to figure out that next chapter? Do you love reading and the creative process? By now, you've probably heard us talk about book coaching, how much we love being coached, and how much I loved my coach training. Book coaches help writers bring their dreams to life through support, feedback, project management, and accountability at every step of the book writing and publishing process. Author Accelerator's Book Coach Certification Program teaches you the key editorial, project management, organizational, and people skills needed to launch your own thriving book coach business. So, to find out if book coaching is the right career for you, Author Accelerator is launching a new five-day challenge to help you envision your next chapter. In their $99 one-page book coaching business plan, you'll narrow down your business idea, your ideal client, your ideal service, and more. Enrollment opens May 15th and runs through the end of the month. So visit bookcoaches.com backslash podcasts and enter the code podcast at checkout to get 50% off the one-page book coaching business plan challenge, which makes it $49.50 because I can do math and that is a deal. So bookcoaches.com backslash podcasts. Check it out. Is it recording? Now it's recording. Yay. Go ahead. This is the part where I stare blankly at the microphone and try to remember what I'm supposed to be doing. All right, let's start over. Awkward pause. I'm going to wrestle some papers. Okay. Now one, two, three. Hey, I'm KJ Delantonia, and this is the Hashtag Am Writing Podcast, the weekly podcast about writing all the things, short things, long things, pitches, proposals, This is the podcast about sitting down and getting your work done. I'm Jess Leahy. I am the author of The Gift of Failure and The Addiction Inoculation, and you can find my work at The Atlantic, New York Times, and The Washington Post. I'm Serena Bowen. I'm the author of many romance novels, and my latest one is called Good as Gold. And I am KJ Delantonia. I am the author of The Chicken Sisters, In Her Boots, and the forthcoming Playing the Witch Card. And I should tell you all that we are delightfully recording all three together. All in the same room! Not a thing that happens very often, um, but the sound quality may be just a little different than it usually is. I have called this meeting here today. (laughs) Uh, It's a very specific meeting. They don't know, uh, Serena and KJ do not know what they have been called together here today for, but I have been planning something out and I needed to assemble everyone in the same room so that we could be on the same page. So I have called my accountability buddies together in the same room because I need some increased accountability. And so I have asked them to come and um, I'm going to lay some dates on you and I'm going to lay some expectations on you about some work that I would like to get done. And I am going to send you a reminder to check in on me on those dates, if that is okay with you. I love it. And I'm so relieved that you're not going to, you know, announce which of us murdered someone. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just, um, so as I've mentioned in the past, I am, I work so much better when I have a deadline and I usually put that on my agent. But since my agent doesn't really know anything about this particular project um, that I've been working on, except for the fact that it's fiction, I want to, um, stop just wrestling aimlessly without a deadline and start wrestling with aimfully aimfully with deadlines. So um, on 
So I would like to set some. Everyone has their calendars out. That's we have true. our matching calendars. We lined out. up when she said this. <laughs> and I would like to set some deadlines on you. And I will also be accountable to you, devoted listeners, because um, when these deadlines do come around, except some of them will be during the summer when KJ has some super special stuff planned for you guys. But I will be will be filling you in maybe with some mini episodes about how the deadlines are coming along and how I'm finding it. Um, there's this wonderful um, passage in Lisa Demore's book, Under Pressure, where she talks about the fact that, you know, it's all the fad for us to talk about how stressed out we are and that what, sometimes it's really important for us to remember that some stress is good. And for me, this is the kind of stress that is really good and gets my button gear and also gives me a purpose to my day. And so I would really, really like to get these dates on the calendar. And I also, for those of you who are struggling with the same thing with the first draft, came across a quote, and I apologize, I cannot remember who the quote is from. I will try to look it up and put it in the show notes. But the quote was just, it was really reassuring. And I sent it by text to Serena and KJ, and Serena liked it too. And it was essentially that the first draft is just telling yourself the story. And that feels so non-threatening to me that a first draft is just telling myself the story because um, I spend a lot of time telling myself the story, so I might as well be doing it formally. Okay, so our deadlines are as follows. By the end of May, May 31st, I will be sending you a Gmail link to um, just put on your calendar that I will be updating you with the fact that my outline is done and that I am feeling good about it and I know where things stop and start and that I may revisit it, but it will definitely be done. And then the second deadline I would like to put on the calendar is September 30th by which I will have my first draft telling myself the story completed in some way, shape, or form. It will be messy, it will be ugly, but it will be wonderfully done by September 30th. And then by November 30th, I would like to have my first pass re-edits back. Is everyone cool with that? So you're... Revising or I'm, yeah, that's what I, I didn't understand revising. that either. So the first draft, the first draft, I'm going to let myself do one of those like NaNoWriMo sort of not a lot of backing up and restarting. But November 30th, I would like to have given it some time to, you know, to cook and then um, and sort of chill out, do that Stephen King, put it in a drawer for a couple of weeks just so that it can mellow and then come back and have my first pass of edits done by November 30th. So uh, you're going you're back in. in. I'm going to go back okay. in and do the edits. Okay. Yes. Does that sound reasonable to you fiction people that have done this before? Well, yeah, let's talk about that. Good. So uh, I did this mini episode a little while ago that turned out to be really popular that was about um, how to write a novel in 90 days right. and whether or not you should. I love that episode. So let's look at how much time you've given yourself here. It's about 90 days, right? Mm -hmm. After your yep. outline is done. And, and what I said was, it's totally possible if you know a lot of things about the right. story. And it looks like giving, you, giving yourself an outline is... A pretty good way to do that. Mm -hmm. So then I would obviously just do the math of like, okay, how many words is that? Like I have to have bank, not just write, but like mm -hmm. bank, like a thousand words a day. Right. June, July. Oh, no, you have four months. Oh, okay. August and September. Yeah, yeah, you can do this. You can do this. So my next question is, as such a huge fan of 
KJ, your burn charts, and as such a fan of your pine trees that you use when you're doing your things, how would you go about, I'm assuming you would go about using your pine trees as, as per usual, but what is your, if you're giving yourself four months exactly, and you know where you're going, you have a decent outline, and you're hopefully pre-writing, as I have learned from you, Serena, how would you chart that out? What's your favorite productivity tool these days? Um, well, I would put it in my handy-dandy bullet journal, okay. so I wouldn't use anything special. But the thing that I would focus on is how long you're going to spend on each bit. So I would say, you know, I have three weeks to write the beginning. And by mm-hmm. the end of three, especially if you have an outline, the end of three weeks, I need to be at this point. Even if it means that I have a slew of words that are like, they get in the car and have a conversation right. about the night. <laughs> um, and, and then I would go on because um, because the thing that is important here is the story and the structure mm-hmm. and getting that out there. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you're really um, firm with yourself about which bits you need to have done when, you will not spend time polishing the words and you know blocking the characters around on the page, which is a, a thing that I spend too much time on in early drafts. That is really, really great advice. And I would say to also, when you're setting those, they don't all get to be even. So like the pine trees in real life grow about 10 inches a year in my backyard. And you can go out and (laughs) you can look and see that each whorl of branches is the same distance apart. But books do not grow like that. Like, so the, the front of a book, like the first third grows really fast. And then you're get into the middle and then you start to realize that you need to fix some things. Mm-hmm. And so the pine trees in my journal do not grow at Evenly. an even rate. Okay. There's always this midpoint where I have to go back and like whatever, whatever the burn chart says for that day, if I'm supposed to write a thousand words, I'm not because I'm going back in and I'm fixing and I'm re I'm putting in stuff that I missed the first time and I'm rejiggering things so that they, um, so that, the middle is going to work. And I would only chart like sort of up to a certain point because I would recognize now that I've done this a few times that it's like, I, I don't know, maybe let's see, you're, you're, you're starting to start writing on June 1st. So maybe mm-hmm. by the end of July, or even sooner, I would, I would just sort of give yourself a plan for June. And then on the, at the end of June, I would go back and figure out, well, did that you even like, just for a couple of weeks. Did this work? Am I able to work at this pace? Am I getting there? Or do I need to go back in um, and, and rejigger what I'm doing? What, try to, in a perfect world, I would keep track of how much I did every day and like what, what times I tried to write it and when I did it. I know that Serena and I have both found that when we pre-write, our words come a lot faster. Although sometimes, you know, you pre-write something that doesn't belong in the book. So, oh well. Um, right. Yeah. Well, and I spend a lot of energy, some might argue too much energy, um, figuring out how to pre-write in a way that's actually tricking myself into doing the actual writing. So I will use, uh, um, the book lives in Scrivener. Right. But I get off Scrivener, I get out of the file, and I do my pre-writing either on a Remarkable or um, on a notebook or something, and then hopefully, when things are going well, I'm actually writing the darn book. And I ha- look up and I'm like, oops, time to move back into the documents. 
And then I have to do some adjusting to, but, but sometimes I will literally have my notebook sitting there and I will transcribe the best stuff that I've written. And then I will go back in and fluff it out and make it, put the transitions and the speech tags and the quote marks. And, um, so that, that like easy space of just saying, and then and then where I'm just talking to myself becomes the narrative of the story when it gets good. And sometimes it doesn't, and that's okay, too, because I haven't wasted my time trying to write pretty sentences about something that isn't right. We're also talking about this as though everyone writes in a linear fashion from the beginning of the book to the end. Not everyone does. I tend to. I know Serena tends to as well. But I don't always, and I actually find it very good, if, especially if I'm outlining, if I write a convert, like if I write the dramatic conversation that two people are going to have at X point and the dramatic conversation that they're going to have at Y point, that often informs me that, you know, I've, I've messed things up earlier <laughs> in the book. So if I haven't already written those, it's kind of a good thing. Or if I'm writing towards that, it's a good thing. So that's another reason to sort of leave yourself June to figure out, well, am I going to do it that way? Or is it going to be more like, you know, here's a checkbox for the end and here's a checkbox for the middle and here's one for the beginning and I'm figuring out, you know, I, it's, it's harder to burn chart right. that way, but I, I feel like it can still, it can still be done. June is the wild card month in here because I am traveling so much in July, in June, including one week when I'm hoping to at least for like four days, not write at all because mm -hmm. it's a family vacation. Um, but but there's also going to be some, you know, some travel time where I can work in there. But I wanted to have that extra wiggle room beyond mm -hmm. the 90 days in order to do that. The other thing is because I've been thinking about this for so long and attempting to outline it for so long, my outlining is actually pretty far along and I feel really good about it. But my main hurdle has been consistency and flow and making sure that, that I'm not spending an inordinate amount of time trying to get back into whatever it is that's being written. So I've taken your um, advice on the pre-writing very, very much to heart where I, you know, I'm like, okay, here's what I'm thinking comes next and writing a couple of sentences about that. And that's been really helpful, really, really helpful. You can also, let's just say you get bogged down. Mm -hmm. You write a scene and you've mostly got it right. <clears throat> and you can't figure out how you're getting out of there and into the next exciting thing. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, I, I did something good, but then I just spent three days writing something where I'm rowing too hard. And right. You can just stop and you can just go to the next exciting thing that you know, and you can write that thing and then it will help you figure out how to get there. Yeah. In the infamous words of Gretchen Rubin, don't write the boring stuff. You don't <laughs> want to write it. Probably nobody wants to read it. Right. So if you just jump to the next exciting thing, you may find that... You don't need you don't the boring stuff. need that stuff. Yeah. I would encourage you, even if you don't want to write every day in June, to open the file. Right. Every day. I would just touch that's, the file. That's Get been one of my morning, favorite... Touch the file. That's been one of my favorite pieces of um, advice that I think you've ever given. Because at the very least, I'm reacquainting myself with something or I'm touching it in some yeah, way that just, makes sense. That, that'll, I think, save you know, the, the, the time digging your way back in. When... When I'm first drafting, I really like to touch it every day. Um, so I actually just have a, a logistical question. So you're writing the Scrivener, as am I, and I tend to put the chapters in their own individual files, like, you know, the chapters of the files, and then inside each of the files is text and notes and discarded crap and stuff like that. 
Um, what, what I have found with Scrivener is that sometimes that alienates one chapter from another. Have you ever found that? Well, the way I use Scrivener is different. Okay. Um, there's a folder called Draft, right? And right. And then under that, I just have little texty text files. That's how I do it, too. And oh, then all okay. of the notes and everything that's not the book is in the research part, just below the draft part. Interesting. So Everything. we're using Scrivener very differently. Well, but the thing is, if you do it your way, you don't know how long your book is because it's going to count in your word count all of that extra stuff. That is correct. <laughs> and, and I don't have that problem. That's, that is, okay, this was worth the price of admission today because I constantly have all of that stuff I've cut or all of that stuff that's That's what Scrivener is designed to use, but it doesn't work it doesn't work that way for me either. So up at the top under draft, it's only the book. And right. then in the research part I have to label my stuff very carefully. Like there'll be a thing called Bible, and that's where I've named your in laws brother's dog right. or whatever. <laughs> and then there's one called cutting, and that's where I've put everything that I cut but was sad about it. And then there's one called Timeline, which is self-explanatory. You know, just all this stuff. Or I have one in the book I'm running right now. I have a tab called Jersey, just because I had to figure out some things about New Jersey. And then I have one, you know, just all these little points of research. And it can be anything and it can be messy. Yeah. But the top is just the book. And then if you have a multiple POV story, Mm -hmm. I use those little um, icons in in Scrivener religiously oh, to show that's good. whose chapter it is. And so at a glance, if I have Scrivener open, I can look and see mm-hmm. um, how many chapters are in so-and-so's point of view and how long it's been since we heard from so-and-so. And That's brilliant. And I made my own little icons because I found <laughs> that theirs were not did. satisfying. So I like just I have, used initials, but I did this. I have pink ones and blue ones. One for some of my romances, cool. so I can see who whose voice we're in. And yeah, I'm holding up my computer now to show them the mess that I've made. So here's the mess I've made. We're like, yes, no, yeah. don't do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I yeah, will fix I'll, that mess. Sometimes it, you can, you know, what you can do is duplicate your Scrivener file. Mm-hmm. So you just duplicate it, and then you give it a fresh name, and then that one's still sitting there. Mm-hmm. Looking just fine. And then you can safely delete and move and wiggle and do all the things and not feel bad about it at all. Or you can start a fresh new one. Also, some of that stuff that you're dragging around with Mm -hmm. each of those chapters might belong in, like, the notes part of Scrivener, like, over here. Yeah. But you can just drag it all down, but just that, yeah, I don't know. It's it's reassuring to know that you still have what you... Yes, that's good. I use comments in Scrivener a lot. I comment on my own book all the time. Fascinating. So let's just say I'm tired and it's the end of the day and I've just realized that this three paragraph section is got to go, but I, you can't just delete it because the transition has to be fixed. So I will make that all a big highlight, the whole thing and write a comment, add comment, cut this, move this down. Interesting. And then I can come back later and fix that. Or if I know that I'm going to screw up the timeline of what city I just sent my hockey player to to play a game. And I see it in the chapter where I send him to Chicago. I'll use a comment and say, we're in Chicago now, dumbass. So that <laughs> that later I can find that comment. Because if you click on your whole draft mm-hmm. at once, it'll show you every comment in the whole thing at the same time. And I'm like, okay, Chicago, Chicago, Chicago. Oh, there we are. I think like two years ago, I said I had a goal to watch lots of Scrivener videos and learn about all kinds of things that I didn't know how to do. But like, this is... 
this is uh, going to change a lot of things about how I do stuff. One of the fun things, speaking of icons and art, is I um, I have some photographs from places um, or just something that sort of is a photograph that elicits the mood of that scene. And you can have that photograph up like over on sure. the right hand side while you're because Serena was just showing us her um, in her notebook. She has some pictures of inspirational pictures of players that might look like the main character, that kind of thing. Um, and I have, you know, places or a picture of a house that is the house where the office is for this one character or whatever. And I have those up and that's, that sort of helps my head get in that space too. Yeah. I'm not very visual. So I'm really kind of need pictures because I'm not a visual person at all. I'm terrible. And I know that readers would sometimes like to see these things, like who does so-and-so look like? And I will never show that stuff <laughs> because it's personal to me. Right. And also I don't own these likenesses like these aren't pictures that I have rights to but in my head like for my own use I can you know and and it also doesn't explain like I could show the picture and they could say he doesn't have brown hair and I'm like no it's the attitude of that yeah. photograph like that smile or that look or where are we or so it's funny that um, before we started recording you met Serena and I were talking about some um, characters that from some of her books. And the only person that I think I have a really vivid picture of in my head is this one redheaded person that you have in your books because he very specific has a very specific look. But everyone else is just sort of a, you know, a faceless hockey player in my in my head, which is nice. Because I don't describe characters, but that's right. a whole other thing. I don't even think that's why. I think you're either a person who gets a picture of a person yeah, in your head true. or that's you're true. not. And I, right. too, am not. It's just not a thing that I try to do so um but i yeah I, I have pictures of my characters in i use the the chris scrivener when you do the fiction will give you a character's thing and if you open up a character it gives you this sort of like put stuff it wants you to put which right. i just delete i don't care about that at all but i do use the character thing because that's where the birthdays and the background and some pictures if I have them. I have never once used that. I'm going to go yeah. home and look at it. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't use the thing. I just use the characters. It's, you know, the tab that's already there for characters. Okay. I, I Interesting. It could be notes as well. Right now, even, so I have a book where I've only, I've outlined and I've written three chapters and now I'm changing the three chapters and I've already got three versions of the, <laughs> the manuscript in Scrivener because... I'm just pulling old drafts up and just revising them slightly. That's because so I actually, dangerous. How are you going to know which one? I know that's to what be. I was going to ask. I you. have a system. Okay, got yeah. a system. I'm not worried about it because, like, I changed the thing and then I changed it back. So I was really glad that I kept the. Yeah. I get mad at myself sometimes because I I've changed enough things and then changed them back to have realized that when you say something like, "What if my characters were 30 instead of 35?" Save and now you're going to change. You just save the whole draft, right. heave it into something that says 35, and then you start again okay. because yeah. there's a decent chance that three days from now you're going to no. Yeah, I have, two, I have two versions of that first novel that I never finished, and one is like original version, one is first person POV version, mm -hmm. and yeah, right. so at least I know which one I'm dealing with. Okay, this has been incredibly helpful, and what's going to be even more helpful, I think, for me is going to be the the pressure of being able to report to my accountability buddies or as some of you may know we also have um these ornaments that uh kj 
Bunnies. It's accountability bunnies. I have a Christmas tree ornament that's a bunny, and it's my accountability bunny. It's hanging on the wall behind me when I do interviews, if you ever watch any videos. and um, Oh, and that's the other thing, is now that I'm sort of done with this video um, series that I have been working so diligently on, I feel like I'm back and refocused and excited. So I'm, I'm very, very grateful that you're both my accountability buddies. It helps me a lot. Okay. Whew. I have a lot to... This will be fun. I'm excited. I'm, I'm drafting this summer too. So okay, I, good. I hope to be a little faster than this, but um, I, t I too am trying to get something chunked out. I'm still in that vacillating between being very excited and very much in love with this and just wanting to wad it up and throw it in a garbage can and that is never because ever finish it. This is really hard and you can't say that enough. Writing a novel is really hard. No one teaches us how to do it. it. People, the illusion is that it's easy because you only ever see the finished products before you do it. But it is really, it is a hard thing to do. What, I've also, is. what is also really interesting is that it is really, really hard to write a book that wins a huge literary award. And it is really, really hard to write a book that sells four copies that you, you know, it's just writing books is hard. And I have so much, it gives you so much respect also for everything that's out there and all those people that throw their love and heart and soul into a book that, you know, ends up on the remainder table. It's, it's really, um, it is a journey. So I'm very grateful to have people though supporting me through it because it's so much work. Okay. So can we talk about, um, uh, let's do a quick break and then we will talk about what we've been reading. Of course. Listeners, if you like listening to me here, and you know you do, you'll love getting even more me by signing up for my totally erratic and frequently unexpected email, Box of Chocolates, so named because, you guessed it, you never know what you're going to get. But you can count on enough book recommendations to pack your TBR, debates with my cat over whose keyboard this actually is, mind-bending discussions over what makes a book fit into a genre and which is better, Cheez-Its or Goldfish, and even the occasional, probably more often than I realize, link to actual chocolate. Sign up on my Instagram, at KJDA, or on my website, kjdelantonia.com or on Substack, right where you find hashtag writing, where I am easily known as KJDA. Okay, who's All starting? Right. Well, because I've been having a very odd period where I have been, um, I've been a little depressed and I've been a little, um, this New England winter just doesn't seem to be letting go in the same way or it's I don't know May people I know. we're still calling it New England <laughs> know. winter and if you could see I out know. the window you would know why and I sat yesterday just staring aimlessly at things unable to motivate anyway so what has been comforting me um has been Serena Bowen's Brooklyn Bruisers series yay, yay. so I have been re-listening as I clean and as I just so that I can because for me listening to an audiobook helps me be more productive um, in other things as well and so it has been a nice comforting listen to me and it has also given me as uh, we were discussing before we started to record how um, deft Serena can be with introducing what might come next in the next book before she gets to the next book. So just sort of queuing up a character, queuing up an idea. Um, and I, I just, I'm really enjoying this, my 
sort of serious read through from beginning to end of the Brooklyn Bruisers um, series. Well, and I, and wow. I'm getting into this very weird place that um, I think I've discussed in with the accidentals where I'm starting to believe that they are a real hockey team. And if that, if I could just <laughs> go to Brooklyn, I could go watch some of their games and see their purple uniforms. And I'm very, very sad that they're not real. <laughs> very, very sad. The bruisers. I just, I just have to clean that up. Yeah, he's called them the accidentals. They're the oh no, I'm and saying yeah. with the accidentals. There's oh, it's the same. I, I looked oh, I, at, I yeah, see. it's the same as with the accidentals where I had right, to look up it. the rocker to make sure, and then I realized no, I can't look him up because he's not a real human being mm-hmm. out there on the planet. Um, and then for serious listens, I actually have to. Um, I think I've mentioned this book before, but I finally got to list, finish um, Underland by Robert McFarlane. And it is a mind blowingly amazing nonfiction book about what is underneath the lowest parts of the world and the most, um, what that means to us in terms of ecology, in terms of mythology, in terms of just who we are as people. And it's an incredibly, incredibly beautiful book. So I've had this wonderful, um, Mixed between serious nonfiction and the Brooklyn Bruisers. <laughs> well, I'm flattered. <laughs> I'm in speed drafting mode, which means I'm not reading really. I kind of write all day and then I go to bed thinking about my characters and I wake up thinking about them and then I do it again the next day. But be, but in order to be reading something, I'm reading The Delightful Happy Place by Emily Henry because... You know, she's never let me down, and um, and I can read it even when I'm super distracted. So that's lovely. Nice. I have that queued up next in my audiobooks. Um, I'm really excited about it. I have that ready to roll as well. So, um, just the 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 weather and the depression. <laughs> I mean, it is it is really, and I don't even want to look at my weather app because it's just going to yeah. keep going mm-hmm. like this. Uh, it's been a long winter. That's what it's been. Um, I feel like a Little House on the Prairie character. I mean, waiting for the train <laughs> to bring me some sunshine. So I started a um, I started a book that came out recently, and I read about two chapters, and it was it's a very good bit book. It's been much lauded, but I'm not going to name it because I guess you could probably figure it out if he's written. It takes place in the winter, and it's set like right at the beginning of a snowstorm, and everyone's about. And I was just sitting there in May thinking. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know why. I just don't want to read that right now. I mean, maybe if I was on the beach, it would be. Or if it was the long winter. I, I, I feel like <laughs> I might come back to that one in like November. But right now I'm just like, please, I got enough winter out the window. I don't need any on the page. So I was enjoying, um, I just read The Candid Life of Mina Dave by Namrata Patel. And it's so wonderful. If you were a fan of the bookish life of Nina Hill, imagine that plus an amazing house and an amazing uh, invented immigrant Indian history and minus the bookstore. So, Or, and if uh, as things that have come out lately, it also reminded me of the collective regrets of Clover, which I read early, but it has really just come out just this minute. So that's the candid life of Mina Dave and... Um, this, all, all of those are just really wonderful sort of non-romance, feel-bad-good books with a little bit of romance in them. Excellent. 
Well, I can't, I mean, this is also a bit of a gratitude episode for me because I don't know that, number one, I don't know that I would have even thought about writing this book if it hadn't been for you two. And you've been incredibly, I know you just want to turn me over to the dark side of fiction. I get that. (laughs) I get that you have a vested interest in dragging me over into this tumultuous world that I find very foreign. And I've said this before, very foreign, very difficult. Um, But... It is going to be so wonderful when it actually ends up on the page. That's it's Yay. going to be one of those. What is that saying? I don't like writing, but I do like having ha- having written. written. <laughs> then I am feeling like this is going to be really great. So thank you so so much to both of you. You are welcome. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. Well, and if you have accountability buddies, and I want to know how they're helpful to you, so go to the hashtag Am Writing Facebook group. And I'm going to be putting a little question in there about how your accountability buddies work for you. If you have them and if you don't, how you can go about maybe finding some because um, I think they're invaluable. So until next week, everyone, keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game. The Hashtag AmWriting podcast is produced by Andrew Perella. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work.